What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you get all of our newest content, whether it be a podcast, article, news and notes, any bit of baseball content you will find there, EthosFantasyBB. And if you're not somebody who uses social media, SportsEthos.com is the place for you guys to head to to be checking out all of our latest work. Today we are going to talk about a couple of more signings. There have been a few things that have come in overnight and this morning that we are going to talk about. There's also a trade that went down yesterday that we are going to be touching on as well. Yesterday was kind of our day to catch up on news, and then a bunch more stuff happened overnight, so we are going to be talking about that. Let's start off with the trade. Let's start off with Jorge Polanco being sent to the Seattle Mariners. Jorge Polanco is the player that I have drafted more than anybody else in fantasy baseball this season. I have more shares of Jorge Polanco than literally anybody else. So it's a little nerve-wracking when you've been planning on one thing happening. He's going to be a twin, and now he is a Seattle Mariner. He was traded for four players. There was a package of Anthony DiScalfani, Justin Topa, uh, who are both major leaguers, and then prospects Gabriel Gonzalez and Darren Bowen. The Mariners also sent cash to the twins. So... The Twins got quite a haul here, cash and four players in exchange for Jorge Polanco, who I, you know, I've just said I've drafted him a lot. I really like him this year, but there's some question marks as well. The main reason I've been in on him, which is really the main reason I'm in on a lot of players, honestly, is the price has been so good. Uh, Jorge Polanco is going, I'm just going to pull up the most recent data here. Uh, Usually you're talking about in the 250 range. That's where I've been getting him 250, 260-ish. For a guy that's projected to bat third in his lineup, and this is, of course, before the trade, but a guy who's projected to bat third, um, you know, good, very solid lineup around him. We just did our preview the other day of the Minnesota Twins with Brandon Warren, and we talked about Polanco, and we talked about this Twins team as a whole and how deep they were. There was a chance that there was going to be either Polanco or Julian or somebody else might have to, you know, relinquish some at-bats because of how deep they were. So Polanco's uh, ADP right now is 261. That's really a big part of why I've been drafting him so much. He's just been super, super cheap. We're only a couple years removed from him having that massive season that we saw in 2021. 33 homers. He stole 11 bases. He batted 270. These last couple of years, <clears throat> excuse me, he hasn't been fully healthy. 104 games in 2022. Only 80 games this past season. But the per game stats are still very good. The strikeout rate has gone up. But the walk rate has also gone up, so there's you sometimes do see that happen with players. It's not such a concern when they're striking out more as long as the walk rate's also coming up. And, you know, he was about an 18% strikeout rate guy to about a 7% walk rate. This last year was 25 strikeout rate to 10 or 10.5 on the walk rate. Again, it's only half a season, so how much you want to read into that is up to you. I don't think that's a huge concern here. For me, I'm seeing a guy who's a decent batting average asset, you're talking a 270 career hitter who's usually going to be in the probably 250 to 260 range at this point. We know he's got 25 to 30 home run pop. The lineup is interesting for me. Seattle, I think that they've definitely improved from where they were um, just even a few weeks ago. If you look at what Seattle was going to be trotting out, if you look at, um, I don't even know if you can do this historically, I've just found an old tweet um, from uh, it was a screenshot of roster resource on December the 5th and the Mariners lineup looked absolutely atrocious uh, the bottom third of the order was Canzone, Trammell and Rojas now that's Luke Rayleigh, Mitch Hanniger and Rojas so that's definitely better 
Um, Jorge Polanco is projected to bat third. They've also, you know, the Mitch Haniger addition, I think, is, is another big piece of why that lineup looks a lot better than they did even just a month ago. And I'm a lot more confident in them. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that they're as good offensively as Minnesota. I think Minnesota is a, is a better offensive team. I think they're deeper. But it's not a terrible situation, especially if he is going to bat third in that order with J.P. Crawford and Julio ahead of him, and then probably Cal Raleigh, Mitch Garver, Ty France, some order uh, right behind him. So he's in a pretty good run in RBI spot. A, a huge part of it is just the health. If Jorge Polanco is able to play 140 games, then he is smashing this ADP. There's no question about it. He's a guy that you know can give you power and speed with decent batting average in a good lineup, right? That's right there valuable. And it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I know that's kind of a general assessment, power and speed, but you're getting like 25 and 10 if he's healthy decent batting average you don't even have to draft him until you know a point where he's probably like a middle infielder if you're playing in a roto league he's not going to be necessarily starting second base for you starting third base however you slot him in there he's probably somebody at that point where he's just kind of insurance for the guy you did draft in the starting role and the potential is that he is a top 100 fantasy player very easily very easily see Jorge Polanco being a top 100 fantasy player I don't see the price jumping around too much here I don't see that being a, a huge problem. He might move up a little bit just because generally your name's in the news. People are more interested in you. You might you know, go up a round or two, but he's already being really heavily discounted at 260. I don't see really any massive problem here. If there is going to be a problem to some extent, it's that Seattle is a terrible ballpark to hit in. It doesn't matter if you use the three-year rolling factors on, on StatCast and look at how it looks back over the – previous three years if you just look at last year if you do it split by lefties by righties Seattle's one of the worst parks in all of baseball their park factor and these are done based on how stack has data and x stats are usually done 100 is average 100 if your ballpark factor is 100 it's just kind of an average park to hit in uh, there's specifications about what's better park for homers what's a better park for triples blah 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 but Seattle is dead last in Major League Baseball with a 92 park factor. Minnesota was right on 100. That's over the last three years, both sides of the plate. Um, that's not really specifying anything there. And you can look at both sides of the plate because Jorge Polanco is a switch hitter. It doesn't matter if you want to you know, look at the left side of things because I'll do that. If you want to just update it and look at just lefty because he's mostly going to bat left-handed, right? Switch hitters are going to spend most of their time uh, on the left side of the plate. That's nothing crazy. Minnesota's park factor for lefties is 102. It's the 12th best in baseball. Seattle's, again, dead last. Uh, a 90 park factor for left-handed batters. So the park is not ideal. Um, I think the lineup is slightly less than ideal, but he may have assured himself a little bit more playing time where it's not such a log jam like it would have been in Minnesota. So I was in on Polanco before. I'm not going to be drastically changing my stance. I'm still fairly in on him. Am I going to keep drafting him, you know, in four to five drafts like I have so far? Probably not. I mean, I'll probably still take him once or twice more because I still think the price is reasonable. But, you know, it's not ideal going to the worst ballpark in baseball. Or, you know, you, know, you want to split hairs. It's like the one of the two worst parks in baseball for hitters. It's not ideal. So it does take some of the bloom off the rose for me with Polanco, but it's not going to stop me from drafting him. It just makes you a little bit more cautious about what the maybe upper ceiling is home run wise. Is he going to hit 35? Is he going to hit 33 like he did in 2021? Probably not, but I think like 25 is still very doable for him, even in that ballpark. It just all comes down to health, really. You know, talk about a million different factors, but if Jorge Polanco is healthy, he's going to produce. It's just a matter of staying on the field for him. 
let's keep it going and let's talk about one from this morning that is close to the heart for me as a Blue Jay fan. I shouldn't say it's close to the heart because this is a terrible signing. The Blue Jays have brought in Justin Turner. There's been this kind of effect, and I, I tweeted something out yesterday about the Blue Jays lineup, and I had a lot of Blue Jay fans kind of get upset with me because I said this team is going to take a step back next year. They're not going to look terribly good. I, I truly believe that. Offensively speaking, this team is not good. They have not gotten better. In fact, they've actually gotten, I think, quite a bit worse. They've lost Matt Chapman. They've lost Brandon Belt. And they've replaced him with Justin Turner and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. That's a huge downgrade. And I had Blue Jays Twitter all over me yesterday. But this team is not great. Offensively speaking, Justin Turner doesn't matter. doesn't change anything really for me. Um, you know, he had a good year last year, Justin Turner did. He is also 39 years old. He's going to be 40 years old should the Blue Jays get into a playoff run. He'll turn 40 years old. Uh, it might be just after the season ends. But we're talking about a guy who is not a great defender, who you're going to have to stick in the field and play third base because that's the position the Blue Jays have got themselves into here. They didn't bring back Chapman. Maybe kind of Falefa gets in at third base. But, you know, a guy in Justin Turner who played seven times at third base last year is going to be asked to take on a huge role defensively speaking. And he's never – I mean, he's not a bad third baseman. He's not bad defensively, but he's not amazing. He's fine. Uh, but at this age, what are we going to expect from him, really? I – you know, it doesn't make sense for him to have played third base last year because he's in Boston with Rafael Devers. Like he's not going to displace Devers, but the Blue Jays should consider that as well and say, well, he's maybe a little bit rusty. You know, he did play the field last year forty-one times at first. He was at second ten times. He was at third seven times. But you're talking about a thirty-nine-year-old guy who is probably going to need a lot of DH at bats, and that's going to take away DH at bats from the likes of George Springer when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. needs a day off. Whoever of um, Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen is not in the lineup, generally you'd think that they'd want to get the other guy in as a DH, not always, but you're kind of removing that possibility for yourself by bringing in Justin Turner. The other options that people are still shooting the shit about are Jorge Soler and J.D. Martinez, two other DHs, which is not what this team needs. Uh, you know, a 39-year-old DH, we're downgrading the DH position by bringing in Justin Turner. I would have preferred to bring back Brandon Belt or to do literally nothing because I don't know that this is a signing that is going to matter. The bad X projections from Derek Cardi were released today. It's a big, big piece of news in the fantasy world, in the baseball world. A lot of people look at Derek's projections, including myself. The projections that Derek has for Justin Turner are 14 homers, two stolen bases, 61 RBI, a 252 batting average, an OPS that is oh, I have a, where where is the OPS here? 720 and a WRC plus of 98. Projecting a league average or slightly worse than league average bat at age 39 years old to come in and be a DH third base for this Toronto Blue Jays team. That is going to struggle to score runs this year. It, 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 they are going to struggle to score runs this year unless George Springer gets back to his old form, unless Alejandro Kirk does, unless Davis Schneider you know, is able to kind of be what we saw before he fell off last season. When he first came up, if he's able to be the Davis Schneider from those first few weeks, um, you know, is Kevin Biggio going to be able to be a league average player or better? Is Danny Jansen going to stay healthy? There are question marks about every single player in the lineup, and bringing in a 39-year-old with you know suspect defense and a suspect outlook for this year and for the future does not make any sense. I think they it, honestly, it looks like they just want to piss off the fan base. It looks like they just want to piss off Blue Jay fans and you know make a signing because you know we have to do something, but it's a useless signing. Justin Turner is a useless signing for the Blue Jays. He's going to take away DH spot, uh, DH at bats from guys that you should be getting more rest for. 
George Springer is not somebody that should be playing the field 130, 140 times. You're paying him $25 million, and his bat is still pretty good. You you want him in the lineup, but you're going to have to sit him now because of Justin Turner or because you know Vladimir Guerrero is going to need a day or Jansen needs a day or some other random guy needs a day. I just don't understand this from a logical standpoint for the Blue Jays bringing in Justin Turner. His price is pretty cheap. 268 is his recent price uh, in the month of January. It's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to be overly excited about it. He's projecting as about a league average bat. The various projection systems, there is some disagreements. You know, uh, the Zips depth chart projections think that he'll hit 282 with 16 homers and 70 runs, 70 RBI. If he does that, then sure, he's going to be a good asset. But I'm going to lean towards the bat here, and they're calling for a couple fewer homers, 14 fewer runs, eight fewer ribbies, uh, one fewer stolen base, and a 30-point drop in batting average. I, I'm, It's tricky, right, because there's so many different projections, and I feel for the average person who goes on fan graphs trying to find projections and sees six different things laid out here actually seven different projections as of now, and it's kind of hard to figure out. I, I think ATC is a good way of, of kind of going through that because ATC is an aggregate of all. Average total cost is what it stands for. It's also Ariel Cohen's uh, initials. It is just an averaging out of all the projection systems. So you can take a look at ATC, and they're generally going to be the most accurate. Even they're only calling for 16 homers and a 266 batting average. So... It's definitely better than what you're seeing Derek project with the bad X, but it's not amazing. You know, from a real life point of view, it's it's a filler DH spot. It's something you'd expect like the Oakland Athletics to do. We talked about yesterday how Alex Wood was assigning kind of just as an innings filler. It doesn't really matter what what happens. You know, if he's great for them, then great. If he's terrible, then it doesn't really matter. Justin Turner seems like the kind of player that would have signed or that the Athletics would have wanted to sign or a team that's just kind of spinning wheels. He's not really that useful defensively. Offensively, it's kind of like whatever. You just kind of need to eat at bats. I don't know that he's a guy who belongs on a contender who's going to be getting middle of the lineup at bats here. And again, like I've said a few times, taking away those off days from other prominent members of the lineup. I don't like it. I'm not in support of it from a fantasy point of view. The price is okay if you want to draft Justin Turner. You know, the counting stats may be... 70 and 70 or something like that. It really depends on how much he plays and how much they want him to play. Uh, they gave him, I think it was $13 million, something like that. Yeah, $13 million bucks. So they don't. he's not a $25 million player that they are going to be forced to play every single day. They could very well use him as a bench platoon type of guy. But based on the roster construction, I'm assuming he gets fairly regular at bats, the, probably the tune of 120, 130 games. So... If you want to take a chance on him, I understand it, but do not expect what he did last year to repeat because last year was one of the best seasons we've seen from Justin Turner. Um, If you look at a few different metrics, it was the most RBI he'd ever had in the season. It's the second most runs he's ever had in the season. You know, not quite his home run high, but right up there. Uh, 27 was the most he'd ever hit. Last year was 23. He also played 146 games last year, so he got there on a volume standpoint that I don't know he's going to be able to do a year older and in a different lineup. So overall... I'm not terribly happy about this from a fantasy point of view, real life, whatever. I think if you want to take Justin Turner as a little bit of first base depth, then you can. But first base, there is a pretty deep position already. There's a lot of late names. The Josh Naylors, the Andy Diaz's of the world, the Vinny Pasquantinos. If you want to wait on first base and take a later guy, those are the names that I'd probably be going for. Justin Turner should be just viewed as depth at this point. If you're having him as your starting first baseman for fantasy, it's probably going to look pretty ugly for you. In some of the different formats, 
He will have second base eligibility as well. So that does kind of add to the whole thing. Maybe he picks up third base eligibility along the way this year. But I'm not terribly excited about what he's going to look like at this stage of his career. Let's talk Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson has signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is, again, a one-year deal. I don't necessarily love it from the Diamondbacks' point of view. Um, I I think that he's probably going to be predominantly a designated hitter. But there probably will be times when Jock Peterson is getting into the lineup as well in the outfield. I'm not actually sure how it's going to break down. And this is the thing. Arizona's outfield defense, we did our Diamondbacks preview a while back. They have one of the best outfield defenses in all. They have one of the best defensive cores, outfield, infield, whatever, in all of baseball. Putting Jock Peterson out there, even if it's for 20 games, even if it's 30 games, is going to really suck away from that product. So what they're likely to do is to use him as a DH. And if he is, you know, the strong side platoon guy who is, you know, that's essentially, I don't want to call it every day, but when you're facing right-handed pitch and you're playing five, six times a week, most weeks, if that's the role for him and if what roster resource is projecting right now, that he's the number four hitter in the order, then there is going to be some value in Jock Peterson. As crazy as it does sound, he's not a guy where he is a set it and forget it type of player. You have to be aware of the matchups that week. You have to be aware of the pitchers, uh, the opposing pitchers handedness and a few different, a few different factors there. But in the right weeks and the right days, Jock Peterson could become a really interesting play. If he does end up batting fourth, it's Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte and Christian Walker ahead of him. And then Gabriel Moreno and Eugenio Suarez right behind him. You could see a really nice season from him counting stat wise. You could honestly run into 65 and 65 in terms of runs and RBIs, 20 plus homers. You know, the batting average isn't going to be great, but for power hitters, it's actually not that bad. 235 this past season, the projection systems have him all within 245 to 255 range. So it's projected to be better than what we saw last year. I'm I'm kind of in on Jock Peterson at the current price, which at this point is dirt cheap. He's not going until pick 462. Now that he's signed, of course, the usual caveat, maybe it ticks up a little bit. But even if Jock Peterson, let's say he goes up two rounds and he's going to pick 430. In a 12-team league, that's round 36. What's the harm in taking a chance on Jock Peterson, a guy where we know in the right situation can give you a 30 home run year, can give you a 25-plus home run year, you know, chip in a couple of steals, not that it's going to be a lot, but one or two steals, a great on-base percentage guy. Like, there's a lot to like here considering the price. It's really super cheap for somebody that can give you the production that Jock Peterson, you know, is likely to give you. It's a good situation for him, uh, especially if he is able to meet what they're projecting here and be a guy who's playing five times a week as a left-handed specialist against righties, essentially, as a DH there. I like that role for him. I like that role. I think the park is not amazing, but the lineup will probably make up for it, especially if he is able to have a regular role as opposed to just being a bench bat who pinch hits DHs twice a week. There's definitely a possibility that that's what they do. I don't I don't actually know what they're going to do yet because there are a lot of moving pieces in Arizona. But as of right now, I feel pretty confident in saying that he is going to be playing five times a week as a DH against righties and you know in the 450s or even if it goes up to the 430s, 420s, I can get behind taking Jock Peterson as a little bit of depth there. He does still have outfield eligibility. Uh, you know, he's mostly a DH, but he played 32 times in left, six times in right last year. Also twice at first base, so I don't expect him to gain first base, but, you know, something happens to Christian Walker or something, maybe he does pick up eligibility there. There are a lot of ways that I could see him being valuable this year, 
and I think where he's going, uh, you can go ahead and take a shot on him, and it's really not going to hurt you in any way. Um, but that'll do it. That'll do it for us. We have covered the stuff of the day. We got a lot of team preview scheduled. I was supposed to have a team preview today. We had to reschedule because there was uh, an unfortunate family incident that happened with the person I was going to have on uh, as the guest. Lost a member of their family recently. So we're going to reschedule that one. It's going to be, I'm not sure when we'll do that exactly, but we have team previews coming up. For later this week, we have the Detroit Tigers with our friend Michael Govier, and then early next week, we'll be talking New York Yankees with Chris Torres, a.k.a. Torres Takes from Twitter. He's a co-host over at the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Beat podcast. So we're going to be doing Tigers and Yankees and a few other teams here over the next couple weeks. You got any questions about anything? Go check me out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. I got a poll up on Twitter right now. It's actually a series of polls that are meant to help me help you um, just gear my content towards you guys in the best way. I'm asking what your preferred format is, what site you guys are playing on. Is it 10 teams, 12 teams, on base percentage, save plus hold? So I've got a couple of polls that are there. Again, JoeOrico99. Go check them out. They were posted today, which is Tuesday, somewhere, you know, I think it was two o'clock I posted them Eastern time. So go ahead and check that out. Vote. It helps me gear my content towards exactly what you guys want and what you guys are playing in. If you're mostly playing in 10 team leagues, let me know. I want to hear back from those of you who do absorb the content again, uh, go check us out on socials, sportsethos.com, And we'll be back tomorrow with another episode, but until then take care, everybody have a great night. See you then.